Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. God was at work 2,000 years ago in bringing about supernaturally the conception of John the Baptist, and then as we know, through a virgin birth, we see how Messiah entered into this world to bring about salvation. And when we look at the scripture concerning the birth of these two men, we see something. We see that prophecy surrounds their birth. And why is that? Well, when we look at prophecy in the Old Testament, and for that matter, prophecy in the New Testament, we see that there is something that is dominant. And what is that? Repentance. Whenever there is prophecy, there is always the call to repentance. And let me say something to you at this time. And that is, as I listen to many Bible teachers, I see that there is a hesitancy to speak of repentance. In fact, many of the most popular Bible teachers do not speak about repentance for some reason. And when you rip out repentance from the gospel message, you no longer have a saving gospel. Remember what John the Baptist said. He spoke to some of the leaders of Jerusalem who were coming out to his baptism, and he spoke harshly to them, and he said, Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Now, many people are simply confused about what repentance is. Remember, we just mentioned about the fruit of repentance. That's the outcome, having repented properly. Repentance, foundationally, is a change of one's mind. How? To agree with the Word of God. So when someone repents, they agree with God, they accept God's standards, God's laws, God's instructions, and they put their will aside. Again, they agree with God. And it's only after that repentance, agreeing with God, accepting his word, then and only then are you able to bear fruit worthy of repentance. See, repentance involves a change in the mind. We can say it a different way. A change in one's heart. In the scripture, there's a relationship between the heart and the mind. What does the Bible say? As a man thinketh in his heart. So we change our heart, we agree with God, and the outcome of that is going to be fruit, that is deeds, behavior, which is in line with the agreement of God. What God says is a proper way to live. First, you repent, you receive that gospel, you become a new creation, and then only after becoming that new creation, 
by faith through the grace of God, then and only then are you going to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and verse 67. The book of Luke chapter 1 and verse 67. Here we're going to see that that Zachariah, that is the father of John the Baptist, that he is going to speak, and he is going to speak prophetically. Look with me to that verse, verse 67. And Zachariah, his father, what happened? He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Now, do you see something? That relationship between the Holy Spirit and prophecy. There's a reason why we see both prophecy and the Holy Spirit mentioned in this verse. One of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to bring God's order into a believer's life. So realize this. If you're not interested in God's order for your life, we can say it a different way. If you're not interested in God's purposes, then the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not going to be upon you. If you are a believer, you are going to be grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. But for a faithful believer that desires God's order in their life, what's going to happen? They're going to receive the anointing, that empowerment, that provision of God in order that they can do what is pleasing to God. Let me say that in another way. That they glorify God with not just their words, but also with their actions. And one that was very pleasing to God is John the Baptist. We'll talk more about him in the weeks to come. But Zachariah, his father, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied, saying, again, we see how the Holy Spirit leads us to prophetic truth. There's an agreement with the Holy Spirit and the purpose of prophecy to bring about a change where that person reflects God's order. Verse 68, this is what Zachariah said. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, Israel is a kingdom word. And the fact that it mentions the blessed God, who is, and notice what he says, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel. This tells us that term Israel brings a kingdom context to this passage. And we know that the kingdom is foundational. Both in the work of John, what did John say? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Messiah, when he began his ministry, he said the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's through prophetic truth that we understand kingdom purpose and how not only to enter into the kingdom, but how to behave according to kingdom truth and this age, at this time, while we are here in this body, in this world. So again, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. And notice this next word. This is a word, it's Greek, but it's similar 
in meaning to a word we find in Hebrew, which means that God has visited, and that term to visit has to do with God getting involved in his people's lives to bring about a change. Now, sometimes this word is used for punishment. Other times it's used, as in this case, for redemption, God bringing about a wonderful change. When it's punishment, it has the same purpose, to bring about a change, a repentant change. But notice what it says. He has visited and he has made redemption for his people. Very important. Some will simply say he has redeemed his people. Doesn't say that. The words are very important. He has made redemption for his people. What's the difference? There's an emphasis. This term puts it in the emphatic, which emphasizes that God has made redemption. Not just that the people were redeemed, but they were redeemed by God's visiting them. And how is he going to visit them? In the person of his only begotten son, Messiah Yeshua. So once more, he has made redemption for his people. Verse 69. And he raised, and this means to raise up, the horn of our salvation in the house of David, his servant. Now, all of this is prophetic. We know from the house of David, there's going to be one, the son of David, that's a term meaning the Messiah, that is going to raise up, and this one is going to bring salvation. Now, we have the term horn of salvation. I would encourage you to do a study of this term, the horn of salvation. It's a messianic term. It speaks about power. It speaks about authority. It speaks about one who is going to do the work of salvation. And that horn of salvation speaks of his exaltation, that he is going to be glorified, that he is going to be well-pleasing to God. So once more, speaks about the horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, verse 70. Just as, and here again, all of this is the fulfillment of prophecy. That's what God's doing. And that's what God is always doing. He's moving in accordance with his word. And that's why it's so important that you and I value his word. And when we look at this verse once more, verse, verse 70, just as he has spoken through the mouth of his holy prophets of old. Now, when he says of old, realize when this is happening, we're talking about an event 2,000 years ago. And when he speaks about his holy prophets of old, he's talking about something 500 years or more before this. And what we find is that there's a uniqueness in that time. God is moving in a unique way to fulfill his prophetic promises concerning, and we've seen two things. We've seen that he has made salvation and also the horn of salvation. 
And that term salvation is also related to what we've already spoken of when it says that he has made redemption. There's that inherent relationship between redemption and salvation. It is redemption, and that involves a payment, a payment of of blood through life, giving of a life, the shedding of blood, and only by means of the shedding of blood is there redemption. And the outcome of that work of redemption, that payment of redemption, is indeed salvation. And salvation involves victory and more precisely, a kingdom victory. And we need to understand that in two ways. Kingdom victory, I will enter into the kingdom, but not just that. I will also behave in this body at this time, in this present age, according to kingdom truth. So all too often, what happens is this. When we think of the gospel, we only think about entering into the kingdom of God. When we die, going into heaven. That's true. That's wonderful. But the gospel is more than that. The gospel has power for today that we might live according to kingdom truth. And that's how we do two things. We have a powerful testimony and we we glorify God. Not just in word, that's important to do, but also in deed. Verse 71. Salvation from our enemies. Now, that's another benefit. When you experience redemption, and there's only one Redeemer, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. It is only when you experience His redemption because He made that payment when he shed his blood upon that tree he did so on passover the festival of redemption all of this is not happening by 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 coincidence but it's happening based upon the providence of god so salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all the ones who are hating us now if you look at the jewish people throughout history there's something that can easily be agreed upon the jewish people have suffered greatly and we see so frequently there's no basis for it meaning this there hasn't been some act some conflict something that was done by jewish people to non-jewish people that that forms a legitimacy of that if we just go back 80 years to europe we see that the jewish people were a great blessing in places like germany they contributed to society they were part of society they valued that society they wanted to contribute in many different ways but what happens we know the rest of the story simply because and hear this simply because they were of jewish descent what happened persecution they they had their possessions taken away they were rounded up many were were put to death others were sent to to death camps where many died there and we see that was not an exception there had been many what's called pogroms many times prior to world war ii and the holocaust there were rising up against the jewish people study the history of europe Many times, and this goes back to the medieval period and even before, 
there was Jewish people living there and then suddenly, without any reason, without any cause, simply anti-Semitism. And what happens? They were, were forced out of society, having to leave that city, couldn't hold certain jobs. And the list of persecution and, and, and hatred goes on and on. Well, redemption for the Jewish people is going to bring a change to that situation. And that's what he's speaking about here. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. Look now to verse 72. Now, there's something that is consistent about God. God is a blessed God. He is a gracious God. He is a giving God. But notice what it says, and we'll see a few examples of this. Verse 72, it says, to make mercy. God is a merciful God. And that is a great source of comfort. You can be in any situation, and if you humble yourself, and you turn to God sincerely, and you seek His mercy, through faith in Messiah Yeshua by name, whether that is in your language, Iesus or Jesus, or however you say the term Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua. If you turn to him sincerely by that name, God will be merciful. That's what it says here, verse 72, to make mercy with our fathers and to remember his holy covenant now that tells us and i believe that holy covenant is referring to the new covenant why when you look at jeremiah 31 where that new covenant is mentioned it is a covenant of forgiveness it is a covenant based upon the mercy of god and there is a very close relationship between the Abrahamic covenant, a covenant of blessing, which is also rooted in mercy because the seed of Abraham in one sense is Messiah. He's the one that's come into the world in order to release, to make available, to offer that invitation of the mercy of God to all, all, every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. God is willing to extend to them without cost mercy so god is the one look again that makes mercy and it says with our fathers and to remind to remind of his holy covenant verse 73 now it is a covenant of forgiveness can we trust that is god truly going to be merciful well notice what he says in the next verse verse 73 the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. So God, in regard to this covenant, and as I said, there is an inherent relationship between the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant in Jeremiah. The foundation of both is indeed Messiah Yeshua. He is, as Paul says in Galatians 3.16, the seed of Abraham. Now, in one sense, also is Israel, and not just Israel, all believers, Jew and Gentile, they're also part of the seed of Abraham. But there is the seed of Abraham, Messiah, 
and the seed of Abraham, all those who are part of God's kingdom people. We can say it this way, the congregation of the redeemed. That's who God has taken that oath towards those people that he has sworn. Look again, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, and he set them. How did he set them? Well, keep reading next verse. Next word in that next verse, verse 74, is the word without fear. Now, what's he speaking about here? Without fear means you can have assurance. You can have confidence. So important. When we look at the gospel, we can have confidence that if we receive it, all those promises, what type of promises? Covenantal promises are going to be realized. God does not lie. He has taken an oath and he is going to keep every one of those promises that he made Abraham that we can take hold of in the same way that Abraham did by faith. So he says, without fear from the hand of our enemies. Why? Why don't we have to fear our enemies? He says, delivering, delivering us for what purpose? To serve him. So here's a very important truth. You need to affirm that. God has, and this word deliver, also we could translate it, he has rescued me from the hands of my enemies. Make it very personal. First person, singular. He has rescued me from the hands of my enemies. Why? So that I can serve him. So ask yourself a question. If you've received the gospel, and my hope is that you have, are you serving him? That's the order that God wants to bring into your life, that your life reflects one who has been delivered from the enemy in order that we might serve him. We see that going all the way back to the Exodus. They were servants of Pharaoh. God set them free. He brought them out of Egypt. He destroyed the enemy, destroyed Pharaoh and his people, his soldiers in the Yamsuf, the Red Sea in order that they might be free and that liberty is to serve him. Verse 75. Now, that change when we receive mercy and the grace of God, it brings about a wonderful change. He says in verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him. That's how we live. That's how we serve him. In holiness and righteousness before him, he says, all the days of our lives and that begins today you may not be serving him yesterday right now that all can change with the power of redemption comes the power to change salvation is living no longer for your desires but for the desires of god so to serve him every day of our life and you, and in verse 76, we see a change. Now this prophecy is going to be made. It's been about Israel, his people. And understand, if you're not Jewish, this promise is also extended to you. As I said, all nations, all peoples, all tribes, all languages. It's available to you. It is a broad invitation, but very specific. It's only through the gospel that you can receive mercy.
that you can find deliverance that rescue through redemption by faith in that one messiah sure in verse 76 it's going to focus on john the baptist what does it say about him his father is the one who's prophesying he says and you son and this word son can also relate to to a child who is uh, a servant one who honors his father and you child a prophet being called a prophet of the most high and notice what it says for you will go before the face can mean the presence the presence of the lord why to prepare his ways that's the call of john the baptist to prepare the ways of messiah yeshua who is indeed the lord verse 77 and to give knowledge of salvation to his people and that knowledge of salvation notice what salvation is linked to the forgiveness of their sins that knowledge of salvation which focuses first and foremost on the forgiveness of sins verse 78 again that mercy that compassion of god where it says through the compassionate mercy of our god in which he what does he do he looks he takes notice he visits visits us who does well now we have that 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 go going up now it's usually in regard to the sun going up s-u-n but here there's a play on words and it's speaking about this one who's going to rise up and it's the one who's going to rise up as the horn of salvation the redeemer the messiah the son of david the king this is who we're speaking about rising up and it says he does so in the most highest way verse 79 this one is going to do what shine upon those those who are in darkness and in the shadow of death they're seated he's going to shine light and those that that uh, are in that situation he's going to bring a change what type of change he is going to straighten our feet in the way of peace what does it mean the way of peace he's speaking about here peace as related to the will of god the fulfillment of that will he is going to guide us straighten us he has visited us to bring that change whereby we walk in the right way his way according to his will and his purposes last verse and that son what son this child meaning john the baptist he he grew and he became strong or mighty in the spirit and he was in the deserts in that wilderness areas until the day until the day of his manifestation to who to israel and let me just point out that word for manifestation is only found one time in this form in this construction here it speaks about the uniqueness of john the baptist that he was conceived miraculously from a woman who was barren in order that he might go before the only lord and savior messiah Yeshua, that he might prepare the way and he did so where he was in the desert great significance in that we'll talk about that next week until then shalom
from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.